the evening uh, where you join us on the program of our Sail al-Alam al-Sadiqa. Truthful news and uh, many things has been happening uh, this year. And Alhamdulillah, someone that has been keeping us up to speed uh, throughout the uh, year has been Ahmad Mansur Sheikh Imam, uh, member of parliament, the leader of the NFP. And he's also someone uh, that, uh, well, his highlight could have been, uh, uh, you know, he was acknowledged by the uh, mother of all talk show host, uh, George Galloway, who simply said, I love this man. And Ahmad Mansur Sheikh Imam had uh, spoken uh, many things uh, that had uh, come to proven to be true. Ahmad Mansur Sheikh Imam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And uh, Jazakallah Khaira for joining us on Wasail Al-Alam As-Sadiqa, Truthful News. And how are you doing this beautiful evening, Ahmad? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah. I must admit, a mashallah, beautiful blue skylit city of Cape Town. That's where I am at the moment. And it's a beautiful evening indeed. Yeah, you simply uh, prefer your Cape Town over your Durban. Uh, but, uh, you know, you can't be blamed for that, Ahmad. Uh, well, uh, we're looking at, uh, you know, uh, so many things that's happened uh, during uh, the year. And, uh, you know, maybe starting off uh, right at the top, uh, did you know what was the biggest moneymaker this, uh, during this year? I mean, take a guess. Just take a wild guess and tell me, what was the biggest money spinner? Tell me, Ahmed. Well, I think indeed, I think it is the Qatar World Cup. Uh, not only, I think, for the sake of the amount of money and what Qatar is going to benefit out of this in the long run, but very importantly, I think the message that they sent out to the entire world. And uh, Ahmed, yes. I'm, 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 I'm going to stop you. The biggest money maker this year was the armaments industry. Went up by 40 or 35 to 40%. War is big money. Don't let any other things fool us, Ahmad. They are quietly, but and they're creating this all over the Lockheeds and the what and what. They are making this weapons of mass destruction. And you've got a bunch of warmongers and conglomerates that are hell-bent on destroying humanity, Ahmad. Your thoughts? Well, the United States of America, their turnover increased sevenfold in the last financial year in the armament industry and sector. And uh, we all know that countries like the United States of America thrive on chaos and mayhem. They benefit if there is war. They benefit if there is disease. They benefit whether there's civil unrest. They benefit when there's regime change. And their survival depends on the failures of other nations. And that's very important to know. The success of the United States particularly depends on the failures and the chaos and the mayhem that they have to cause in other nations and states all over the world for them to achieve that number one spot of the so-called superpower that they call themselves. So indeed, I'm not surprised. And like I alluded to that, you know, the turnover had increased sevenfold, the armaments industry. And and, uh, and you can guess, your guess is as good as mine, The you know, how the Russian-Ukraine war, now the Chinese-Taiwanese thing, the South Korea, North Korea, and many others for that matter, and how the United States particularly influences whatever happens there, 
and and to a very large extent are responsible for what is happening there and uh, eventually and ultimately of course benefit to the armament industry so yeah that that's where we are and um, until such time the states or countries all over the world become self sufficient or you take away uh, uh, the dominance of the military by the united states and one good example is the capability that south africa had through denel and others which we all know is in a mess but i hope they're going to recover sometime soon it's very important that uh, uh, um, countries that have the necessary capacity and capability should uh, also enter into the armament industry and that will create a lot more competition even for the west particularly that is the united states and others and then they will start reconsidering their policies that they are implementing on the divide and rule uh, regime change you know brother shabat i was just looking at the other day you know zimbabwe is a beautiful country and uh, look at just with the sanctions that was imposed by the united states of america how the people in zimbabwe are suffering up to this very day look at exactly what is happening in venezuela look at exactly what they've done in libya so look at what they've done in syria in iraq look at what is happening in palestine and all this is as a result of the dominant feature and that is the armament industry and the capacity and capability that they have from a military perspective that is why you know many other states are at mercy of countries like the united states and others and fear them because of their military power or might make uh, you know a valid point they need and a really brilliant uh, what i want to tell you amadi is also when you look at uh, the different scenarios of uh, what is happening in the world uh, there's going to be definitely a paradigm shift and one of the shifts uh, that you're looking at is uh, you know china coming to the fore uh, putin uh, getting into his uh, part of uh, the deal of uh, really making uh, the westerners uh, freeze they actually freezing and it seems as if he's uh, he's played a game and the propaganda uh, machine has uh, you know got into its action and saying that he's very sick and he's not up to it and uh, something's wrong with him but actually if you look at uh, who's really sick are uh, the minds of putin and his uh, uh, conglomerates uh, i mean uh, making accusations but at the expense of the masses duping the masses and making the masses su- suffer at the at the expense of making bad and mad decisions your reaction to that amit well first of all on the russian ukraine war there's a lot of propaganda not just in south africa but worldwide and they creating the perception that the russians are in the back foot and that are having great difficulty to sustain and 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 on the other hand 
if you re go to other channels, uh, 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 you will find that the propaganda that we are receiving through BBC, CNN, and others is not a true reflection of what is actually happening in the Russia and Ukraine war. But <coughs> it's not just the, the, particularly those with an interest like the West, <coughs> are not just concentrating anymore on the Russian Ukraine war. But some they are in the uh, Taiwan Chinese issue. They're also targeting Iran. You can see that. And now, of course, with the so-called threat that South Korea faces through North Korea. Incidentally, coincidentally, I was there two, two weeks ago. A beautiful country, though. But, of course, they live on their nerves. So the influence and what I will call, and I think in simple terms, we used to call stirring the pot. And that is what these guys like the United States and things do. Because then, remember, and that is why you'd find even in South Korea, the U.S. influence in South Korea is unbelievable. I can tell you that there's more of the United States in the South Korea than origins of South Koreans. So clearly, I think, you know, that uh, it's going to be very difficult to get peace, stability in the world if with this new world order wanting to reduce the population first of all but who want who believe they are superior to any other nation and that their survival depends on as i said earlier on the chaos and the division and the regime change and things civil unrest and things now if that continues it means that this mayhem and chaos we're talking about will continue for decades, if not centuries. And the only way to stop that is an attempt that is being made currently with the Russians, uh, uh, the BRICS, first of all, in competition to the World Bank and IMF and others. Uh, then you've got the issue of your oil, uh, sold in your local currency. A very important point to note here, Brother Shabbat, is the fact that countries like the United States and all of them all over the world value their net worth based on gold reserves. And countries like South Africa who produce these golds take it and give it through to these people at a pittance. Okay, and, uh, you know, only for them, these countries to benefit. So when will the African continent, with all its mineral enrichment and resources that it has, accept and understand the wealth that they have and the importance of it, and the fact that the world is dominated by something that they own, but not in their control. Point indeed, Ahmed Manzur Sheikh Imam. And, you know, we own, uh, not in our control, everything is decided by the West, uh, the Rand dollar exchange and uh, the monetary exchange, the petrodollars. 
and uh, you know we'll find uh, would uh, you know perhaps a big game changer coming through or perhaps a war coming through uh, many say it will be uh, according to Sean Fo who is an uh, you know Chinese economist he says uh, if you thought uh, 2022 was a bad year he says 2023 will be a worse year what's your thoughts there Ahmed well first of all from a south african perspective i think 2023 is not going to be an easy year at all let me start off by saying that the escom crisis will continue something that i have repeatedly said and i say it again that it will take you a best part of 10 years with a capital injection of at least 1.5 trillion rand uh, with the importing of the necessary skills that escom has lost and at the same time dealing with sabotage acts of criminality uh, not paying market related prices overpricing that is uh, 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 you know uh, uh, the corruption and looting that continues uh uh you know so if you don't deal with it all, you know holistically it's going to be a bad year for south africa the other problem you'll have in south africa now that the anc which is the ruling party's conference is over uh they not the ones that have lost are, are, are not going to sit back and just allow it to go on all attempts are going to make they could be made to be remove the president and destabilize the country as a result of that and uh, the concentration will continue to be in the infighting in the ruling party rather than in correcting you know the, uh, what is going on in the country mm-hmm. and you saw what happened in the last 6 months for the least you know with all the attention being paid on the conference what was happening here but uh, globally you can see the tension between china and taiwan um, between south korea and north korea russia and ukraine you can see what is happening in sudan uh, and many other parts of the world and that tells you that uh, you know what is inevitable is that there will perhaps be a war breaking out sometimes whether it would be in 2023 or not we don't know but by virtue of the fact like we said earlier on country's survival depends on war they will create a conducive environment so that there is war for them to benefit but over and above that the high prices of food the businesses that are collapsing all over the world the high levels of crime that is you know uh, not just in south africa but in many other countries uh uh you know putting all this together i think 2023 is going to be a very trying and tested year for masses all over the world you know we have such a large population in the world that go hungry to bed many of them die of malnutrition you know and 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 i think what is disturbing is that the world has so much of natural resource that nobody really should be going hungry nobody should be dying of malnutrition you know there is so much of financial resources available you know uh, 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 all over the world 
that nobody should be dying because you can't pro- pro- provide them with a decent healthcare facility. It shouldn't happen. Nobody should be paying high prices for fuel based on the availability of oil all over the world and oil reserves. And yet, the world has so much to offer, but offers very little to the most vulnerable people. Because in order for the others to thrive and and be successful, then somebody's got to be vulnerable and die of hunger, poverty, homelessness, joblessness, violence. That is how the world is, is, is based. And I think we need to change that. Perhaps what is the solution is Sharia. You know, if we could implement that, do away with, 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 you'll be doing away with greed, with selfishness, you'll do away with interest and debt. You do away with things like alcohol, look at the damage that it does to society. Even though we know about it, we will do nothing about it because the emphasis is the revenue that you get out of it, not the damage that it does to society and the loss of productive hours as a result of that, the impact on the health sector. No, it doesn't. So, the, you know, I think the problem we have is that we have our priorities mixed up. Unfortunately, in politics, Brother Sheffield, politicians' survival depend on this. And that is why very little or nothing happened. What we need is more statesmen and stateswomen to come up and look at the challenges we face worldwide. And, 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 and of course, you need some of them to be bold, to be able to stand up to these so-called oppressive nations that we have in the world in order to ensure, and I think you know, a better life for the rest, But in order to do that, it clearly appears that you're going to have to make sacrifices. Lots of people are going to have to lose their lives to create a better environment for people to live in a safe, secure environment or or, or to live in a a society uh, 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 where they can thrive, they can improve the quality of life live healthier lives. You, you, you need a complete shift in the thinking of the way the world is, uh, conducts itself if you want to create a better society. And what better way than following the examples of Dean? I mean, we you know, have so much to offer the world. And, I, and we have so much that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with. If only we can use that to our advantage. You know, in 20, 30 or 50 years, we could change the entire world and create a better society for our people to live in. You know, Ahmed, nice and deep. I like your analysis, your thoughts. Uh, very cool, calm and collected. But, uh, you know, we're talking about... Uh, all these uh, scenarios coming through and as uh, you know the forces of Basil 
uh, pushing forward the agenda. But we know, and you said very eloquently and beautifully, that uh, our deen is only a solution, Islam is only solution to the ills and what's happening to mankind. And Allah says, uh, you know, falsehood and uh, truth, truth will smash falsehood into uh, into smithereens. And that is a, uh, you know, word or adjective used by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, into smithereens. And that will come soon, inshallah. But, uh, you know, looking at our country very critically, you know, we've been through 200 days of load shedding, uh, where, you know, according to, uh, uh, they say, oh, don't worry, the new year will start off with no load shedding. But after that new, uh, the 1st of January, Allah, uh, Allahu Alam. Now, what I want you to talk about very seriously, the critical alliance, uh, you know, between the uh, unions and uh, the ANC government. It seems as if they are back each other so that they in uh, perhaps many will say both are in looting moods, uh, modes. I mean, both are uh, not, uh, you know, one stealing from the tax base and the other stealing from uh, the uh, workers, uh, you know, subscriptions and so forth. Uh, I mean, unravel that uh, scenario for us, Ahmed. Who better than you? All right. But le- let me start off by saying as far as the... ESCOM is concerned in your energy. Uh, the writer has now said that for the best part of 2023, you will be on stage four. And you may at some stage go even to stage 10. So you're not expecting anything less than stage four. You've just heard that KFC has announced that it's closing quite a few branches because they cannot survive with this load shedding. Now, on the issue of the unions, if you remember not long ago, unions were bragging about going it alone and contesting the elections in opposition to the ANC. Suddenly, the unions have made an about turn, and that is no longer their approach. They're now in support of the ANC. But the question we need to ask is, when ever did you hear any political party in the South African political landscape that have ever questioned the unions, what are they doing for their members that they take a subscription from every month? What do they do with all the income and revenue that they generate? What are they worth in this country? And how does it benefit its employees, its members? through either workshops and training and development programs or giving them housing loans and and allow anything of that sort. There's nothing that unions do for their people. And if you remember recently, somebody from Noom was kidnapped. And I'm told in that account that he had the card for where they drew, I think, 50 grand or something like that. There's 400 million rand in that account. Let me repeat, 400 million ran in that account alone, where he was founded. If you look at the net worth of the union, a lot of money. If you look at their properties and things that they own, you know. So the fact of the matter is this, unions don't benefit the employees because whether you strike or you don't strike, if you, if you strike when you, and you lose your pay in any case, Right. But the unions and I've repeatedly asked them, why is it that you start off with ridiculous amounts? 
knowing you're not going to dinner. So now we have to start bigger. But why ridiculous amounts that you know? How often do you find the union settling for what they asked for? Never. They always come down and accept what government takes. Because they're not independent. They can't be independent and objective. Because they're part and part of the tripartite alliance with government. And that's what it is all about. So, you know, it's not going to benefit the workers in this country. The noise that they make is to show the workers that they care about them. Now, let me, let, let me give you a good and ideal example. In this country, the Chinese particularly, pay all workers in South Africa 60 rand a day, okay, which if you work out on a five-day uh, 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 week, that's 300 rand a week, 1.2 per month or a little more. The minimum wage is 4,000 rand a month. Have you ever seen any union do anything about the foreigners that are actually taken on the jobs of locals in this country, employed by the Chinese at 60 rand a day, nothing. Even South Africans working there earning 60 rand a day with no benefits, no registration, nothing. Why is it the unions won't do? The unions only show an interest where they are benefiting from it and through the membership to those workers but not necessarily do what is in the best interest of the workers. So the unions are here. It's just another racket of scam to make money. And because of their relationship with government, they are protected species. That's why you hear nothing about them. Rest assured that I will be shortly questioning that. I've already started and I will on what are the unions worth? What are they doing for its workers? And why have, are they not doing something with the Department of Labor in dealing with the exploitation of workers in South Africa in any event? But on the issue of their relationship with government, they know their bread is buttered and buttered quite well, and that if they have to go on their own, they are going to lose that support of government and that protection, and then all these skeletons will come out. So they have perhaps chosen to continue working with the government. Have you ever heard the unions holding government to account for what is happening in this country? No, they're not. Yet they are quite powerful. Taxi Association is quite powerful. But all these people are captured, captured by government, by virtue of the fact that government has a majority. And as long as government has that majority, all these people are protected. If you look at what the president is having soon, I think it's this week, is having, you can have a dinner with him at what, 1.2 million rand a table? How's that for a ticket? 1.2 million. Who are the people that are going to be there, Brother Shafiq? The only people that are going to be there is millionaires, multi-millionaires. In fact, no millionaire is going to go and spend 1.2 million on a table. You'll have to be multi-millionaires or billionaires, right? And do you think those multimillionaires and billionaires want to go and have a dinner with you for 1.2 million rand and not expect anything in return? No. They give you something, they must get something back. The unions are giving you their votes and support. 
and you pay back. It's exactly what it is. So these people that are going to attend this so-called dinner bash are not just paying. Basically, if you break it down in ABC language, they are paying their corruption money or bribe in advance. That's what it simply means. So, Ahmed, in other words, uh, you, you, I mean, uh, you bring up a point about the dinner bash. Uh, the president uh, doesn't call anyone from the opposition. Maybe Ahmed Manzur Sheikh Imam or Mr. Butelezi or John Steenhazen or, you know, Hanif Hanif or someone. Uh, you all are not invited, Ahmed. Brother Jafar, I sit next to him sometimes. So why do I need to pay 1.2 million to go and sit next to him? Oh, I know, no, no, I, I, I meant... He's a you, he's a you, like all of free. us. Only somebody that's not right in their mind or they're benefiting unduly will want to pay 1.2 million rent to go sit with him and have a dinner. That dinner doesn't have diamond and gold in it, that I can assure you. <laughs> so, so, but let me tell you now, when you have these dinners, Brother Shepherd, it's not for opposition, it's not for... In fact, let me break it down. It's simply for those people that will be funding you, okay? Your closest people and people in high places. And of course, we all know that these people in high places must benefit. So they will spend this 1.2 million by this table or whatever it is. And of course, they'll get 100 million rand back in one oh. million. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And uh, this is how it will happen and uh, things will happen uh, you know but we are opposition is going to go pay to sit next to zero no opposition mm. you know even when you looked at uh, you know the nec uh, was there really so many empty seats there ahmed that you know they sh- there was a footage on uh, social media where you know zero was virtually talking to 10 people uh, was that uh, false news ahmed brother brother Javad, let me tell you this much very prominent people don't feature in the NEC anymore. Can you imagine now you're going to go pay for your... They even, there's even prices to pay. I think it's 30 grand and 50 grand and 20 grand to pay to sit with nobody. <laughs> and also to sit with unknown NEC members who are irrelevant. You understand? So, I mean, uh, but one thing I do know that it weathered through the dinner. And let me tell you, the fact that they've exposed it to the extent they have, some of them will be reluctant to even want to participate in it now because of what is going on and the focus of attention will be on them. But I want to tell you, all these dinners and fundraisings and all you have, it is a means of creating a conducive environment for corruption and looting. Because that person who's giving you expects something in return. And of course, by creating that relationship with you, okay, is setting the tone for you to take care of him later on. And he'll continue to be giving you more and more while you'll be giving him more and more work. That's what it is all about. Nothing more than that, I can assure you. Well, Ahmed, I'm going to make this uh, segment uh, interesting because, uh, you know, the Ummah is listening very intently for you and we're doing a wrap-up for the year's highlights. What, in your opinion, all right, if I asked you, who was your newsmaker of the year? What would you tell me? Well, you know, let's put it to you this way. I think a hell of a lot has happened all over the world. 
if you're talking about the, 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 from a football perspective, people will talk about Lionel Messi. But of course, you know, we've just lost uh, Pili, Pele, you know, who was one of the, I think, uh, most well-renowned uh, footballer. Uh, and we've just lost him now. You've also had the newspaper, was the chaos that took place in, in Britain, where they went after prime minister, after prime minister, after prime minister, which, which really brought them down uh, 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 to size. Uh, so, you know, uh, 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 but also the, uh, the uh, Russian president has made headlines uh, with his attack on Ukraine. Uh, so that has also made uh, 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 headlines and, and, and of course, uh, very prominent, of course, it's made him. Uh, people always regarded him as uh, somebody who would speak, but they felt that he won't act. And suddenly he decided to act. And I think he got them all uh, uh, rather surprised. But uh, I think the headlines locally uh, was basically the Zondo Commission, the state capture report. Uh, and very importantly, I think the Palapala has done a lot of damage to the ANC uh, from a South African perspective. And I think what has happened with their conference is going to lead Brother Shepherd to uh, their downfall in 2024. I think it's worse now than we think it is. Zuma has made a lot of headlines and Ace Magushula and many others for all the wrong reasons. And they continue to do that. So yes, uh, you know, these are just some of those that may have in one way or the other uh, uh, contributed to media uh, exposure. But uh, I think what is important to note that in 2023, we have to look out for what is happening currently in the pact that is being created between Russia, Iran, Turkey, Pakistan, India, Brazil, and, and others that join BRICS and, every, uh, and things. I think our focus should be for 2023 to see there what impact that is going to have. And I think that is going to dominate uh, uh, the headlines uh, f uh, for 2023. Yeah, and uh, then uh, the uh, uh, tragedy of the whole thing is uh, for the sixth time uh, running, you got a man called Benjamin Netanyahu taking over the mantlehood or the leadership of uh, uh, Israel. And uh, here he is once again, you know, uh, uh, signing alliances uh, with the, those uh, you know, the, the, those uh, what are those settlers and uh, uh, those uh, people that have a vehement or a very innate hatred for the Palestinians. And here he is, you know, uh, I also believe it was uh, uh, Vladimir Putin uh, that uh, actually congratulated Netanyahu. Uh, I mean, it's a good question to ask uh, the consulate. Why would they do that? Uh, why would Putin congratulate uh, Benjamin Netanyahu? on his uh, victory uh, or, you know, on becoming, uh, you know, prime minister for the sixth time, Ahmad? When you're in politics, Brother Shafat, you have thick skin for survival. 
So I'm not surprised even if he has done that. But very importantly, I think what is worrying is the pact that he's now have with the right wing and what they are attempting to do and the extended powers that have been given to uh, the security, I think, uh, cluster over the South Africa, I mean, over the police uh, in, in Israel, uh, which now is, is, is very worrying and what impact that's going to have on the atrocities against the Palestinian people. I can tell you, Brother Shafat, uh, the good news, though, and I just make dua, inshallah, that it does pass, that I think it's the 5th of March, when the motion to downgrade the South African Embassy in Israel to a liaison office is, uh, my motion is going to be tabled on the 5th of March, I've been advised, and I'm hoping that the ANC particularly and other parties will support us in bringing some action against the Israeli people, uh, this being the first one. And if we achieve this one, inshallah, that then there'll be many more measures that we can put in place in terms of sanctions and things to bring them to the table. Amadina, you make that point uh, where you talk about uh, sending in this motion. And you noticed anyone that, uh, you know, stood up against, uh, I'm talking about the South African context, against uh, Israel and, you know, asking for the uh, downsizing of the embassy. I mean, you think of uh, Nalidi Pando, Lindy Sulu, uh, you, uh, even uh, you know, think of uh, Desmond Tutu. I mean, it's been uh, one year since he's passed on. Uh, you know, they actually vociferously went for Israel. And you notice uh, that uh, the uh, Israeli propaganda machine went for them. And uh, the ANC, whilst they were talking uh, maybe in folk song, uh, acquiesced in silence in favor of Israel. I mean, uh, this you would know. I mean, uh, generally, if you read in between the lines, you see what had happened to those people that spoke out against Israel. They were quietly, quietly marginalized, Ahmad. Yes, uh, uh, Lindy Wessasulu paid uh, a, a big price, high price for her stance. She was removed. And Naledi Pando continues to make uh, comments and statements, very progressive, very supportive of the Palestinian people. I can assure you that both Lindy Wessasulu and Naledi Pando are in full support of, of, of sanctions and actions against uh, Israel. Uh, I'm not certain that the president of the country can be trusted as far as that is concerned. This motion, I mean, uh, the resolution that was taken by them in 2017, five years later, has not been implemented. So it will be very interesting to see on in March 5th, if that's the date, I must just double check my program, that it's going to be tabled and whether the ANC is going to, in their numbers, support this thing or not. That will tell the, the Ummah, the South African Ummah and worldwide whether indeed we could trust the ANC or not. Because remember, this is their resolution also of their, my motion is no different to the resolution that they have taken in 2017. So there's no reason why they should not be supporting it. In terms of the other political parties, I am quite confident the UDM will support us, the AIC will support us, PAC will support us, the EFF will support us, 
I'm not expecting the DA to support us. I'm not expecting the Freedom Front to support us. I'm not expecting the IFP to support country leaders from these parties that are in close contact with the Israeli government and have been visiting there and things. I'm not expecting them to support us. Anybody that's benefiting from them is not expected to support us. But clearly, you know, you know that is the day, and I know what is going to happen. The ACDP is going to come and talk again, you know, and 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 uh, like the colonialists always did, because they always attempt to create a divide between Muslim and Christians. They make this like a religious warfare, despite the fact that you've raised it time and time again that the Palestinian people are suffering are both Muslims and Christian people from different racial denominations. But they will use this uh, uh, religion. But perhaps maybe that's the day to tell, teach them about the uh, teachings and, uh, of our late uh, uh, brother Ahmed Didat, you know, and, 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 and some of the things that he has raised in terms of the closeness of, of in the Quran and how many times Jesus is mentioned and others to, to you know to get them to understand that of course that they are even going against their own Bibles and teachings just to achieve their selfish object of divide and rule and using religion you know for that purpose Yet the people that suffer there are people, it, it, it's irrespective of what religion they belong to. There's a Palestinian people of different religious denominations. So perhaps it's a day to remind them, because I know the ACDP has always tried to use religion to divide us, which is what the colonialists did many years ago. They used religion to divide us. That is why many of these countries today are Christian dominated because of the role that the colonialists played and how they used uh, religion. Ahmed, you talk about religion, and uh, you know we all we always want to know from you. Perhaps so, who was uh, the for the whole year? We talk about a certain individual, a certain politician, or someone you know uh, that uh, uh, supposed to be. A you know an important person in the world, but making a rather big fool of themselves, and uh, some of the newspapers call it the Mampara of the week. But I want to know from you who was the Mampara of the year for you, Mampara Ahmed. Well, yeah, yeah, it's a pity. I thought you was going to ask me who I think have really benefited the Ummah uh, particularly, and I want to say this: uh, there's lots of things have happened in the country, but I want to take my head off for the Emir of Qatar and the role that they have played, uh, uh, you know, for me in, in, in the message that they gave to the entire globe, many of whom were against them, they were at Qatar holding the host in the World Cup, but I think Qatar came up tops as far as that he could say. So, so first of all, let me say hands off to them. But I think uh, the Mampara really ends up to be for me uh, and, you know, unfortunately, it's going to come from politics and uh, it's going to be your friend, Karl Nies. He's been there fighting the fight, fighting for Zuma, doing this, doing that. Today, he's 
partyless. He's been removed. He's now resigned. And I think that um, it's also a lesson for some of these people, which they're not willing to learn, that there's a limit to anything and everything that you do. And when you put the interest of individuals or yourselves and forget about the purpose that you are here for and, you know, and the office that you hold, this is what the outcome and the ultimate result ends up to be. So I think Karl Nies has made a fool of himself, has made a mumbar of himself, uh, uh, and now he's standing alone because there's nobody there that can do anything about it. If you look at Ace Magashule, with his position and how vociferous he was, look at where he's out in the cold. There's another one that has, you know, lost it all. And I think former President Jacob Zuma is heading in the same direction shortly. Uh, but yeah... These are, for me, just some of them that, that, that have really uh, embarrassed themselves. Uh, I mean, it's very sad to see a person who was so vocal, leading protests and marches and part of the struggle and everything. Yeah, you are homeless at the moment, you know. And not only home, you're homeless, you're helpless because nobody can come to your rescue and do anything about it. Well, uh, how would you rate Jacob Zuma from zero to ten? Brother Shepard, let me tell you. Former President Jacob Zuma could be very good for the country. Could be very good for the country. As he is a people's person. But allowed himself through either directly or indirectly through manipulation and allegations of corruption and looting and things, has destroyed this country. I mean, the years that he had, if you look at what we have lost and where we've gone from one extreme to the other, he's caused us ever. So right now I can tell you that, you know, you know, if you want to talk about his credibility, there's nothing left. If, you know, you can't, you'll, 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 you'll even better to give him one or two out of ten. But if you want to talk about the role that he can play in society, in the interest of the poorest of the poor, you can score him quite high. But he had the opportunities to do that. And of course, he did come up with one or two things like free education and whatever it is, even though I'm not totally satisfied with the way they came about it, because you're giving free education. Everybody's taking it. 60% is dropping out in the first year anyway. So you're just wasting money anyway. But be that as it may, uh, coming back to your question, I don't think there's space for uh, former President Jacob Zuma in the political landscape currently. He's had his turn. He should now leave the others to take it. I think it's in his interest and everybody else's in the ANC to consider the fact that 60 million and 62 million people's lives are being affected as a result of what's going on for the greed selfishness of your people's infighting. And rather, you know, I don't, I can't expect them to put their differences aside because the way I see it, uh, uh, some of them are going to have to don orange overalls sooner or later. It's either the only uh, uh, thing that can prevent them might be death. To be honest, otherwise I think it's going to go. But I think it's going to become very, very ugly 
come uh, February once the session starts in Parliament and things. But I won't rate Zuma high currently because I think he's done a lot of damage to the country. Uh, 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 and so at this stage, for me, there's no space for him. And uh, he's trying everything, abusing the rule of law, uh, you know, to, to try and prevent his, you know, uh, court hearings and the ultimate day, uh, you know, and things like that. So, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying the current president is absolutely innocent. I'm not saying that either. I think there is a lot for him to answer when it comes to Pala Pala. And he's not being honest and open. I don't even, I'm very suspicious of the Sudanese who says he's got so much of money that he never bothered for two years about this money that he didn't get his buffalo. Only recently he says he didn't. So in a nutshell, I think, you know, President Zuma should just stay at home and rest there and stay out of politics for now because he, can I tell you, Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma had a very good chance of becoming the president of the country if she wasn't the former wife of uh, Jacob Zuma. It cost her. Is it because of that uh, relationship? But then uh, Dudu Zani, uh, you know, Zuma, they say uh, Jacob Zuma's son uh, shows he's got uh, qualities of being, a, uh, you know, presidential material. Is that true, Ahmad? Well, I haven't seen it. I, I'm waiting to see it. All I know is that branch shepherds in some way in in Devon. But uh, I am told he's, he's, well, he's a businessman. Uh, and now, you know, you can be a businessman. Uh, it could be halal business or haram business. I don't know how he's achieved the status in business. If he's achieved it through his hard, good hard work and through high levels of integrity, then I welcome it and commend him for it and say that he could be a success and he could be a benefit to society. But if you ask yourself that at the very young age, being the son of a father, of, of Jacob Zuma, who was so badly implicated, and he himself being implicated with serious allegations against him as well, and his links with the Guptas and whatever it is, and we know his relationship still exists. There's a lot more questions that are unanswered. And until those questions are answered, it will be very difficult, uh, 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 you know. But I think KZN, Brother Shafat, of the ANC have got a lesson. They learned a lesson in this conference. They want power, they want control, and they went all out to go and get it, and they lost hopelessly because not a single one of them made it on the top set. And, and, that may, that, and I want to tell you, KZN is a problem for all political parties, not only the ANC. KZN is a problem, tribalism is a problem, racism is a problem, greed and selfish and corruption is a problem. You know, violence is a problem. So KZN is a major problem for this country. And if there's one province that will always take this country downhill, it will be KZN. I'm sorry to say it, but that's my feeling from and my observation. So Dudazane has got a lot of work. He's still very young. He's got to still earn a name for himself. He's got to do it so that convince people that it's coming through high levels of ethics and hard work and commitment. And people are not convinced of that at this stage. That's the unfortunate thing for him. So I think it's premature for Duduzane to even consider. Perhaps in 10, 15 years, 
uh, uh, not in the next five years. I think ten years or more, he might become a candidate for the ANC. Well, Ahmed, I tell you a beautiful evening with you, and uh, Jazakallah Khair for sharing your thoughts, your, pint, uh, your parting words uh, this evening. Well, like I did say, Brother Shabbat, that we are in for a very, very difficult year. Uh, we need to tighten the belts. We need to be very uh, mindful of how we spend and how lavish we are. We need to be very careful uh, to, of getting into debt, because whether you like it or not, debt you must pay. And uh, so I think, you know, we need to downsize a bit, uh, particularly because we are uncertain as to what the future holds. The next year will be very trying and testing, depending on how the ANC, unfortunately, it just shows how a political party affects the entire country, Brother Shepherd. How they behave and conduct themselves in the next year will decide which direction South Africa is going to go. At the moment, all your state-owned entities are collapsing, unemployment is rising, your crime rate is rising, gender-based violence is rising in the country, businesses are shutting down and closing down, your energy crisis is not going to get any better anytime soon, there is no comprehensive plan for government for economic growth in South Africa through job creation and dealing with the energy crisis because it goes hand in glove. There is nothing of that sort you haven't heard. I don't know what he's going to tell us in the State of the Nation address, but every year he's been making you promises. Nothing of them have been accomplished thus, thus far. So all in all, I think we're in for a tough year. Uh, 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 but I think we need to be hopeful. But very importantly, why hopeful alone? Why can't we become part of the solution? We know what the problems are. We know what the solutions are. We have the solutions. Why not come out of that nest and be part and parcel of the solution, of the solutions of the problems of this country so that we can protect the generations to come? That would be my plea to our brothers and sisters. You have been very successful in education, in health, in business, uh, science, in technology, in mathematics, in, you know, in everything. So why not bring it forward? Let's create something out of it and let that lead us to the solutions to make South Africa proud again so that our people can be protected. Otherwise, things are going to be very difficult for the future generation. Remember one thing, Brother Shafat, I want to say this. Did you ever sit and think about something that no matter how much of money you got, and how much of wealth you got. Did you know, Brother Shafid, you can only protect it up to the next generation. You can't protect it further than the next generation. Think about what I'm saying and you'll see. So no matter how much you have and what you can leave, you can only protect it up to the next generation and you start losing control from there. And you're not going to be here to be able to do something about it. So we need to be very careful about what we are doing. Let's create a, an environment so that our future generations will be proud of to say our fathers and mothers did not just keep what they had, but they used their intelligence, their integrity, and they, they changed South Africa for the better. We changed it many years ago, remember? And now it's gone astray. Let's bring it back to the way we want it to be. 
let's play that pivotal role in, in shaping South Africa to benefit the masses in this country. I tell you, Ahmed, Jazakallah khair once again, and uh, always uh, Allah keep you, Allah bless you. Talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, I also would like to thank uh, Tobela for great engineering. Give you a lot to Malkus Sahaba for uh, brilliant programming from the TV and I. Till we meet you again, we bid you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.